Hi, I'm Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute. Welcome to the McIver Newsmakers Podcast, and we're joined today by Eric Elliott from the Wisconsin Academy of Physician Assistants. Eric, thank you very much for being with us today. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. And, uh, you know, we have you on the, the program today because there's a bill working its way through the uh, Wisconsin legislature that would make it um, a little bit, uh, uh, would, would change the way that physician assistants uh, work in Wisconsin. But um, why don't we start off just by talking a little bit about what a physician assistant actually is for people that might not be, you know, experts or even all that familiar with the topic. Sure. Uh, so, PAs are licensed medical professionals who diagnose illnesses, develop and manage treatment plans, uh, prescribe medications, and oftentimes serve as a patient's principal health care provider. Um, PAs have thousands of hours of medical education, and uh, what makes uh, PAs um, special is that they're generalists to begin with, and they're versatile, collaborative. They can um, move around into different specialties and respond to uh, uh, healthcare uh, shortages and healthcare needs uh, wherever they might be. Um, but PAs also specialize. Uh, they have the ability to specialize, and we are present in every facet of medicine, uh, from uh, primary care to specialized types of surgery, from education to research. So. Uh, in terms of like Wisconsin's uh, health care picture right now, like, you know, we hear a lot about how there's a doctor shortage and uh, there's um, uh, provider shor- shortages across the state, especially in rural areas. How can physician assistants really help uh, fill that gap? Well, actually, physician assistants were created to respond to um, a physician shortage back in the 1960s. So it's the very reason we were created. So um, way back then, a little over half century ago, uh, they were facing a physician shortage much like we are today, um, maybe not quite as severe as today. Um, and back then, they um, they looked at ways to respond to that shortage. And one of them uh, was to create a new type of healthcare provider. And it was based on the way that um, fast-track physician training was conducted during World War II when they needed to increase the supply of physicians. So they based our education on that, and um, it was very successful, and it spread rapidly across the country. And what it allowed uh, um, practices to do was to um, incorporate PAs into their practices to expand access into those rural and underserved communities where it was really difficult to extend physician services. And um, PAs were very successful. Over the years, however, um, the practice of medicine has changed um, significantly. So back then, the, the majority of physicians were uh, you know, independent practice, small physician groups, uh, physician-run hospitals. And when PAs came into a practice, they directly impacted uh, the physician's bottom line, um, you know, financially, but also their quality of life. Um, so the physicians uh, could uh, actually spend a little time with their families and and uh, the PA would cover call or or uh, you know round or do house calls and things like that. So there was a, a direct impact on the the physicians. Uh, where now uh, we've actually a couple of years ago crossed the line where the majority of physicians are actually employees themselves. So there's been a lot of significant. I mean, just across the board, significant changes. But that's probably one of the most significant right there. And really what has happened with that is the incentive for a lot of physicians to work with PAs is actually diminished because we don't 
uh, affect them directly anymore. Um, and what we're finding is more and more, especially new physicians, newly minted physicians, have less interest in uh, taking on that supervisory responsibility, which carries with it a great deal of vicarious liability. So um, I guess um, but before before we get into that, can we just let's just talk real quick about, you know, where would somebody encounter a physician assistant today in Wisconsin and under what circumstances? Sure. So um, pretty much everywhere you go in medicine. So if you uh, in a primary care clinic, uh, you may uh, your primary care uh, uh uh, physician uh, will work there. You may you may have a primary care provider who's a PA uh, or a nurse practitioner. Uh, we all work together. It's team-based healthcare. Um, and you know you if you're uh, you know in a school um, and you have a healthcare provider assigned to it, whether it's a, you know a, a grade school, secondary, post-secondary education facility where you have a health department, there may be a PA there. Um, you in a surgical suite. Uh, the the um, the first uh, surgical assistant in the operation may be a PA. The person recovering you may be a PA. You may find that the person who's the hospitalist uh, rounding on you is a PA. So um, you know PAs are everywhere. We're we're in every area of medicine. But the one place where we used to be, where we're really not anymore, is in the rural and underserved communities. And the reason is, is that the significant shift of physicians out of rural communities and the decreasing interest of taking on that supervision responsibility and the liability that goes with it has really pulled a lot of the PAs out of the rural communities. As a matter of fact, uh, between 2015 and 2018, there are, the uh, amount of PAs in rural Wisconsin healthcare has decreased by 37%. Um, so we've seen some dis- really disturbing numbers there so the very reason that we were created was to expand access into these rural and underserved communities and we're actually our hands are tied right now to do that and the reason is is because of a lot of these antiquated uh, restrictions that were created back when they really made sense a little over a half century ago and back then you know it, it was an unproven profession um, PAs really were there to, to, to um, really expand the access to care and kind of expand the delivery of services for the individual physician practices, the independent practices. And really, that's not the, the picture anymore. Um, the PA profession itself has matured. The education is far more rigorous. Um, and, of course, the healthcare delivery environment is much, much different now. So we have things um, that are left over from you know, a half century ago, things like ratios, where um, only so many PAs can be affiliated with a specific supervising physician. Well, you know, things like that make it very difficult to staff, because if you have a physician that, say, goes on leave or, you know, takes a a sick day, um, that can uh, directly affect the um, number of PAs that are able to work um, in a practice and deliver care to patients, because suddenly, they may be without that supervising physician, or suddenly they can't um, they can't um, respond. Uh, uh, the physicians can't respond within 15 minutes as required by those old rules. So there's a lot of that. But one of the things that we really look at when we were studying this issue was we looked at our colleagues, nurse practitioners. Nurse practitioners and PAs oftentimes, um, you know, they fill the same types of roles and the same types of positions, and 
nurse practitioners here in Wisconsin for many, many years have worked in collaborative relationships without a lot of those antiquated restrictions that PAs work under. And they do so quite well. And the, uh, the relationship between uh, uh, nurse practitioners and physicians are fantastic. And, um, and what we want is that type of parity so that we can start working our way back into those rural and underserved communities. Okay, so uh, to talk about the way that the rules are right now for PAs, you have um, uh, there's a supervis- supervisory requirement. Now, you know, all of us, you know, who aren't in the medical profession, I mean, we're all familiar with the concept of a supervisor, but it means different things to, to everybody. You know, for some, they have a supervisor, just somebody that, you know, rates you every, every quarter or so. So what, what exactly is uh, goes into this supervisory relationship? Like you mentioned 15 minutes, but I mean, like, is a doctor supposed to be like in the same building as you or like how exactly, what, what are some of the details with that? And then they won't talk about, you know, how, you know, what the changes would be. So, right. So that's actually a really good question. And it's part of the, part of the issue here. So if, if, if uh, two people went and they actually read the administrative code governing the relationship between a PA and a physician, they would probably walk away with two different um, ideas of what it really meant. So, um, and that's part of it. So supervising a PA in Wisconsin is uh, is in the rule kind of broken down and they sort of try to almost um, in a way adopt a collaborative style, but they don't quite get there. So they, they say that, you know, supervision is required. And then they say that, you know, the, that the, uh, the physician is ultimately responsible for everything we do. But then it goes on to say, well, supervision doesn't really mean supervision. It means sort of a general supervision or a general oversight. And the PAs actually can work at remote locations where the physician is not present, which doesn't really jive with supervision. Um, it's more like collaboration. Um, however, the other rules that go along with the supervision still exist so that there's a lot of communicate there's a lot of uh, confusion and um and it really has put pas at a disadvantage and the reason is is because you know employers take a look at that and they say well you know these rules are confusing number one number two they're very cumbersome rules and they're very challenging to um, comply with so if we have an option of two different types of providers nurse practitioners and pas and we have an opening for one position, what we've found is in recent years, there's been a significant move toward hiring NPs over PAs, not because we're less qualified, but because their nurse practitioners are much easier to employ and easier to credential and, and retain and utilize. So uh, what we're asking for is some of those old rules that have been proven um, unnecessary and provide no um, there is no documented evidence that they provide any increased patient safety whatsoever. In fact, they're harming patients and they're harming patients by decreasing the amount of providers that are available to see patients so that patients wait times are higher. Uh, patients have to travel further for care and sometimes patients actually miss out on much needed care. So the bill that is working its way through the, uh, the Capitol right now would change that supervisory role to a more of a collaborative role. And I guess, uh, you know, what exactly would that mean? And, I mean, would this mean more or less work for doctors that, you know, are working with PAs? 
Sure. No, that's a, that's, that's a good point. So, um, I, I should, I should mention that collaboration between physicians and PAs is not a new thing. Um, there are uh, several states, including a couple of our neighboring states that have already moved forward with collaborative models. Um, uh, you know, Alaska, uh, adopted a collaborative model back in 1986. So this is not a new idea. And really, if you, one of the reasons why we really need this bill is to bring the regulation in line with the way that a lot of us already practice anyway. So, uh, or the expectations that are placed upon us by our physician colleagues as well. Um, and you know what you'll see uh, from a patient's perspective um, is probably no significant change other than they may see more of us. But what will, ha- what will, you know, for what does this means for a physician? Well, there's a few things there. Um, one of the things is um, that current law, and, and a lot of people find this really odd, but current law here in Wisconsin, that is not the standard across the country, is that it, 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 it implies a automatic vicarious liability for physicians who supervise PAs. So that physician is responsible for everything that the PA does in patient care, regardless of whether the physician ever had anything to do with the care of that patient, ever met the patient, ever interacted with the patient, or whether the PA even called to consult about the patient. And that's really not fair. It's not. It's not right. Um, PAs um, were created to work and expand access to care and work remotely, and um, and to know their limitations and to reach out when they need assistance and to, and to consult or forward a patient on to someone with a, a more appropriate scope of practice when necessary. Um, and PAs actually across the country, whether they um, a practice in an area with collaborative care or supervisory care have among the lowest of all uh, malpractice issues um, of all prescribing providers. And, and that's really important to take into consideration. But the other thing that a lot of uh, physicians might find is, is that the administrative end of working with PAs will improve significantly. And if anybody that is around medicine these days understands what it's like with the administrative burden and the secretarialization of medicine, the amount of paperwork and red tape is just overwhelming. And working with a PA colleague should not have to add to that. And there is no evidence that, you know, additional paperwork adds any benefit to patient care services or improves the relationship between PAs and physicians. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, you know, a, a little while ago I was asking about, you know, uh, a layman's inter- uh, definition of supervisor because, you know, we there was that public hearing a couple of days ago on this on this bill in the Senate. And um, there, there, you know, there's people out there that are trying to claim that to be collaborative means more paperwork than to be a supervisor. And honestly, as a layperson, if you were to tell me, hey, um, uh, you're going to supervise this person versus you're going to collaborate with this person, I would assume that supervi- supervising somebody would take a lot more <laughs> effort than, say, collaborating with somebody. But, um, you know, so that, that, I mean, that just seemed to be like one of the themes, themes that was coming up in that, that hearing that just wasn't making sense to me. Oh, I agree. 
you know, there was, there, there was you, you raise another point is that um, when you, when you really take a close look at the rules here in Wisconsin and you realize that you could have a, a, a PA with, you know, 35 years of practice experience who's built up a patient panel where that PA has seen generations of the same family, has established amazing relationships. The PA's um, uh, technical skills are impeccable and that and they're providing some advanced services for their patient populations, maybe, uh, you know, uh, uh, certain types of uh, women's health care uh, procedures, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, large and small joint injections and, you know, various other procedures. Well, if there's a change in supervising physician and a new physician comes in who's not uh, credentialed or comfortable or does not deliver those services themselves, the PA who has been providing that those types of services for the past three and a half decades to the patient population will suddenly not be able to deliver those services. And that that's another big example of that. So essentially the rules are right now, anything you can do, I've got to be able to do and better than you. <laughs> well, or at least as well. Yeah. And, okay. and that's, yeah. And so, you know, and, that, and, and it makes no, it takes no consideration into the, the knowledge um, education, training, experience of the individual PA. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, there was a colleague that uh, had approached us from active duty military. She was about ready to retire and come off active duty, wanted to come back home and practice in rural Wisconsin and reached out to our organization. Her background, she had over 20 years of active duty service where she attended a uh, postgraduate uh, fellowship in orthopedic surgery and uh, obtained a, a doctorate degree uh, from uh, Baylor University. She uh, wanted to work in, in an area that was close to her hometown and work in primary care because remember, all PAs are generalists first. We study primary care and then we specialize if needed. She specialized in orthopedics, but she wanted to come back and work in primary care and bring a lot of those orthopedic skills back to this rural primary care office. But unfortunately, the way the laws are written here, uh, she could not deliver those services. And all that education and training would go to waste because her supervising physicians at that primary care site were not credentialed and were not trained in those areas. And how, what a shame is that? Yes. You know? So... Uh, some of the uh, you know resistance to reforming this system is it, are there like some is there a component of physicians out there who feel threatened by by PAs or because I mean I'm trying to figure out what the issue is considering I'm seeing more and more uh, like smaller especially clinics that are run exclusively by NPs so right. this doesn't really seem like a huge leap to me. Sure. Well, the one thing that you know if you really take a good close look at, at our bill is that we've gone to great lengths to reinforce the historic PA physician relationship. In no way are we seeking independent practice. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad information that has been circulated about our bill. And I think it was initial reaction uh, to our bill, believing that it was some sort of uh, um, plan for independent practice or some, you know, we were going to somehow take jobs from physicians. And that's absolutely not what's intended here. 
What's intended is to improve our ability to work with our physician colleagues and expand access to care and assist um, with this looming physician shortage that is going to hit those most uh, vulnerable communities harder than anywhere else in the state. So, yeah, there's some fear out there. Unfortunately, it's been stirred up by some of the organizations out there with conflicting um, um, interests. And so, you know, you'll see, you know, the, the screams about how if we switch to collaboration, uh, we'll be losing safety guardrails for patients. Well, you know, take a step back and realize that there are actually more nurse practitioners in this uh, state practicing under collaboration than, than, than there are PAs practicing in this state. They've been doing it for a long, long time, and there's no evidence of any adverse effect on patient safety whatsoever. And then you look at the other states where PAs practice collaboratively, there's no problem there. There are a number of federal agencies such as the Veterans Administration where they operate community-based outpatient clinics throughout the state of Wisconsin where PAs work collaboratively and there's no problem there. The Indian Health Service has adopted collaborative practice. Why? Because it makes sense and it works and and when you employ it people are happy. Physicians are happy. Patients are happy. That's what we need here in Wisconsin. Well it seems like um I mean, obviously, you can never predict how how things turn out, especially with a with a crazy session like this. But it does seem like the ball is moving forward for for uh, for those reforms that we've been talking about. Well, yes, it it, it really does. It's um, we've we've got a lot of positive feedback, and I think what happens is when you know when we're able to set people's fears aside and get rid of a lot of the misinformation that's circulated out there, people hear the truth. They hear the intent behind the bill. And they actually take a close look at the bill. And when they do, they realize that this is actually a really good thing. And it's a good thing for physicians, PAs, our relationship together, and also the patients here in Wisconsin. Sounds great. Well, hey, Eric, thank you very much for joining us today on the uh, McIver Newsmakers podcast. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's been a great opportunity to tell our story. Thank you for everyone that's uh, joined us on today's program. Again, this was er- this is Eric Elliott with the Wisconsin Academy of Physician Assistants, and this has been the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. <music>